1: You are listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark. And Ivan Nahan had no choice but to be creative. Born in the 50s, his mother was a graphic designer and his father played professional baseball. In fact, his dad, Sam, played a big part in the integration of minority players into Major League Baseball. But Ivan was drawn to music. He wanted to play drums, but he was told he had to learn the accordion first. After some... Less than constructive criticism about his prowess with the instrument, he decided he wasn't musical and he turned to poetry. After moving cross-country twice, playing with a bunch of bands, he formed the band Ritual Tension. Ivan talks a lot about that and how that led to him playing drums on two Swans albums. Ivan is open and honest about all of this, his writing, yoga, and even the loss of his son in 2013 but he's been busy during the past few COVID-tainted years. In addition to releasing a new Ritual Tension album at the beginning of the pandemic, he has recorded and just released a solo album called Crawling Through Grass. It's one of the most unique, in a good way, albums that I've heard in a while. Think ambient punk. Give Ivan a follow at Ivan.Nahem or at Ritual Tension on Instagram and Facebook. Pick up Crawling Through Grass via arguably music follow us at performance ANX on social media and you can help us out with a review a coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or by buying yourself something nice at performanceanx.threadless.com we still have a bunch of shower curtains and listen in on the conversation with me and Ivan Nahum on performance anxiety part of Pantheon podcasts
2: alright then okay um Hey, this is Ivan Naham promoting my new album, Crawling Through Grass by Ivan Naham Plus Extension, here on Performance Anxiety, chatting to our friend, the superb host, Mark with a C. <laughs> Mark, Mark Sloan, Mark Sloan and from Ritual Tension, he, uh, he also spells it with a C. I like that spell. Correctly.
1: <laughs> it's looking good. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for joining me. Oh, no worries. <laughs> yeah. So, it's great. There we go. You there? I'm, there. I'm back. My, yeah. My right. daughter called and knocked me off the connection. So, and now my You're phone. You're <laughs> <vertical. laughs> let, me, let me do this. Hopefully this will okay. fix. Uh, let me see. There we go. There you go. Ah. Uh, kids i was just talking about them i was about to brag on them and now forget it <laughs> <laughs> right all right so so okay so you, you have an idea of how the show goes then so which helps me out a lot mm-hmm. um so obviously you know that i like to kind of start from the beginning and, and get your background a little bit and find out uh how music became so important to you and how how you made it a you know a big part of your life I did obviously do some research so I I know you your family is very creative. They they've made a living in unusual ways. Like your dad was a professional baseball player.
2: Right? Right, right. Among other things. Yeah. Are yeah. we are we recording? Oh yeah. Now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my my dad was a uh, uh quite a character. I mean, he was uh he played for uh the Brooklyn Dodgers oh, wow. for 3 days uh he he played a really good game at the end of the season and then he walked in on Leo De Rocher, uh who was uh as he used to say in flagrante with a woman oh. and uh and he got traded shortly after that oh wow so then he went to the the uh St. Louis Cardinals he had a pretty good year there and uh and then he went into uh he volunteered in the army. He was, he was a leftist and he, uh, so his, uh, his story, actually, there's been a lot written about him and he's, uh, he, there's a a section in a book that just came out about his, uh, contributions to the integration of, of baseball. Oh, wow. And yeah. So when he was over there in, uh, He got there after hostilities were had ceased more or less. Um, They knew he was a major league ball player. He was uh, Syrian Jewish, and uh, which was unusual in itself. And then he was also uh, he had passed the bar exam in uh, in New York, so he had organizational skills. So they gave him. The, the task of putting together some baseball leagues now uh, in France. Now, there oh, wow. were baseball leagues happening in Germany too. General Patton sponsored this uh, one team called the, the uh, Red Circlers, who had eight uh, major leaguers in them. Wow. My dad, on the other hand, said, okay, I'm going to uh, bring in some uh, black players. Yeah. And so he brought in Leon Day from the Negro Leagues and Willard Brown, and uh, and just this ragtag team, and they they won. Sam was a pitcher, and they won the uh, the league in France, and then they were playing the this Lily White team from Germany, and and they had a, a five game series, and they ended the the uh, the series in uh, in. Nuremberg Stadium, where Hitler had given all his speeches. Wow. And uh, th- this was the first time a lot of this was before Jackie Robinson. Okay. So, this was the first time a lot of GIs were seeing black and white players play together. And, uh, and actually, I have the, uh, the, this book that uh, Peter Dreyer wrote called Baseball Rebels. And uh, can I read just? I, Absolutely. I, I knew you were probably going to ask me about this. So please um, do. So the teams returned to Nuremberg for the deciding game on September 8th, 1945. Nahum started for the OISE, OISE team in front of over 50,000 spectators. After the Red Circlers scored a run and then loaded the bases with one out in the fourth inning, Nahum took himself out. And brought in Bob Keen, who got out of the inning without allowing any more runs, and completed the game. The OISE team won two to one. The Sporting News adorned its report on the final game with a photo of Nahem. So, yeah, so it it was it was all to get and and he was a smart guy. He he he, you know, he had a good great sense of humor, and uh, you know, the, the, one of the ways in which he intru- influenced me though was more in terms of. He was uh he was a real literary guy. So um, you know, I was reading Shakespeare when I was bef- before I was a teenager. Oh, wow. And we were reading it around the table and stuff. I mean, it sounds almost pretentious, but uh my mother was a, a commercial artist, what now we would call a graphic artist. And so yeah. there was a yeah, there was a, a lot of, and there was always music my my dad loved uh classical music and uh arabic music actually so there was a lot of that going on in the house um but in terms of my own musical background um i did want to play drums early and um the, the story goes that my mom took me to a music store which which you know advertised that they had music lessons And uh, they said, well, you can play the drums, but first you have to learn, it's not a real instrument. So first you have to learn the accordion. Oh. And they put me in this dark room with this old German lady and an accordion. Oh God. I said, I don't think I'm going to go back there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my God. And then I had some discouraging thing. People told me I was off key singing and stuff and you know, musician, people talk about having an ear or not. So I decided that I wasn't musical Ah. and I did take guitar lessons. And I, and I, you know, when I was like 12 for a while, but I think I had a shitty guitar. So, uh, uh, (laughs) so my hero, my, my first real hero was Bob Dylan And I really wanted to be Bob Dylan, but I knew I wasn't musical. So, you know, he was hanging out with Allen Ginsberg and poets and stuff. So I, I I, actually, I I was writing poetry when I was much younger than that. So, but, but that sort of reinforced it, that I wanted to become a poet. And, and uh, so I, I did, I wrote constantly and through high school, I went to Berkeley high school out in California and uh, saw a lot of music. Always loved music. Always, even from like a couple decades ago. I bought a uh, 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 the big hits of 1962. This will date me. There, you'll, you'll know that I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not. I know I look 32, but I'm uh, yes, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> a, a little bit old. Thirty
1: two at that. Yeah. too.
2: <laughs> what a spry yeah. 32. A spry 32. Um, but like the, 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 top hits of 1962 were all really like Duke of Earl, soldier boy, great songs, you yeah. know? And I, so, so when the Beatles came along and the stones and all that, of course, I, I was way into that. Actually, the first time I heard Bob Dylan, I hated it. I, I told my mom, he sounds like an old man. <laughs> that was like, the, that was when he was doing the folk music and, yeah. and, uh, and she said, you know, well, there's a, there's a tradition like Woody Guthrie, like listen to the words and stuff. So, you know, she, uh, she turned me on actually in That's a way awesome. to Bob Dylan. So, uh, um, so music was really central to me and, and also that sort of outsider poet thing, you know, that like, you know, Dylan and Lou Reed, Patti Smith and all of those people were, were huge for me. Yeah but I didn't really have the, well, I, I didn't get over my insecurity about music enough to get on stage until punk rock came along. Oh, and, okay. um, so that was, uh, well, I tried to be in a band for, I was in a band for a while in 76. I came out to New York and, uh, my friend John Griffin and, and, and his friend Wade Ripka and I, decided we would have a band and they tried to teach me bass but um wade was not a good teacher Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and he was like i mean come on you're lagging oh and, gosh uh, was, was this uh, crop no was this, the, was, this was this was like a few years before that the situation yeah, yeah it was well it was nothing we, we didn't oh, even okay. have a band i mean you know it, it, i i decided to go back to california so i went back oh, to okay. california and um and one night i was at the mabuhe gardens and uh the old mab and uh i was watching a band called the offs and uh with don vinyl singer he was just a great guy and uh the drummer was just all over the place i mean he was just horrible <laughs> i think he i he was known to be like taking ludes and all of that. And I don't think that's conducive to, to drumming. So probably much. not, probably not, yeah. probably not. So <laughs> um...
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind. Being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to performance anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.
2: (laughs) The drums were like (laughs) falling off the stage basically, and he was as well. (laughs) So I thought, hey, I think I can do this. You know, I think I, at least I can keep a beat, even though I'm not musical. Yeah. So I bought a Ludwig uh, Silver Sparkle, and that was on sale. But through, And I was on stage at the Mabuhay within three weeks with the situations. Uh-huh. They, these, were, these were some teenage girls. Uh, they were 17 and 15, and their friend who was 17, Mike, Michael, and uh, they were really, really flamboyant. And brilliant. I mean, Janet Sauter was, was really a a brilliant person and, uh, they Janet dyed my hair before our first gig and, and, uh, <laughs> um, silver dyed my hair silver. Oh, and wow. I did have hair at yeah. that point. And, uh, and, uh, I was quite a bit older than them, but so I was sort of like paternal, the Padre of the, of the group. Wow. And, uh, and I really had to learn to drum quick because we got really popular really fast. Oh, I mean, wow. we were like the hot ticket in town for within like two months. But people and, and people would come and, you know, it was it was that was that was hard talk about performance anxiety. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> somebody uh, booked us. They booked us in a sit down concert at San Francisco Art Institute, okay. like 500 seat sit down wow. audience to see us. And we were the only thing on the bill and oh, it was wow. free. And, and I mean, you know, so I, 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 I took lessons from, um, from Tony Hotel's woman, uh, played with no mercy. And I think I, I, I exonerated myself that night and, and, and we, we were getting pretty good. And then a lot, you know, the things that happened with bands and stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, and so that, that went, went by the wayside. Um, I, I often think that I wish I could go back and really, really try to keep that band together because oh, really, it really was fun. And, uh, and, uh, you know, punk was there, but, post-punk was starting to happen and I was listening to joy division and birthday party and those bands. And I was like, I want to be in a heavier band, you know, a band like that. Okay. Rather than okay. this, the situations were sort of like a punk, uh, less apt version of B 52s. Oh, okay. kind of. you can imagine that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, we were real colorful. Teresa, the, uh, organ player ended up, uh, Marrying Jello Biafra for, uh, oh. uh, a brief time. I Jello Jello was my housemate for a while. Oh, wow. Um, okay.
0: And, you know, yeah. it was, it was, it
2: was a, uh, it was a wonderful scene to be part of really. I loved that period, the punk period in San Francisco. And, uh, so, so when, when that, that band, uh, imploded, uh, my brother, my, Brother's eleven years younger than me, and he started. He was uh, messing around with guitar, and so I said, "Let's let's start playing together." And uh, so we started playing together. And then two guys who were sort of our roadies uh, for a while in in the situations, or you know, they had cars uh, anyway and helped us move equipment. (laughs) uh, Were Mark C and and Tom Payne, and so they joined the band. So yeah, that was the band crop. Okay.
1: And what was the sound of crop, you know, coming from the situations? Was it a
2: a big style shift? Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, really in a, in a way it was like early live skull. If, if, if people know live skull, because those two guys went on to become live skull and, but my brother always had a, a, uh, fairly, uh, individual style with guitar. I mean, he, he, no guitar solos or anything like that and really scrape scrappy kind of guitar stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we were really influenced by, by like the bands I was talking about. Like, uh, we, we did a cover of the fall various times and, uh, and we, we played around in in San Francisco, but after a while, we felt like it really wasn't happening there for us. And so we uh, we decided to come to new york. and uh, And the entire band followed you guys. Well, um, my brother, by that time, had left the band. So it was just Mark and Tom and I came oh, out ok. Here. and And we were looking for a replacement for Andrew in New York. Mark got an apartment on Great Jones Street, and uh, we had uh, we had uh, auditions there for guitar players. Okay. And uh, we auditioned uh, a couple guys who would go on to stuff. Uh, one was Vernon Reed. Oh and, wow. uh, I loved playing with him. He he had a great audition, and uh, and we also auditioned Norman Westberg and they didn't go for these guys and i was like wow really really um that's wild. instead they they uh well uh, to their credit actually in in some ways uh, Mar- i think uh tom really wanted to have a woman in the band okay. and uh and yeah okay that's a that's a, a good idea but they we did get the this woman in the band and I thought she was terrible. And uh, so and there were other things too, like, like, yeah. like we couldn't think of a name for the band. <laughs> and I, you know, i really was the wordsmith, even though I was the drummer. So I'd come up with all these lists of, of band names and they toss them around and then say, nah, not, not really. Oh, wow. and I was like, come on guys, Gosh. you know? So, uh, and crop I, uh, is the one they settled on, huh? Well, no crop was the one we were dissatisfied with. So Uh (laughs) so that was what we were. And the last time we actually played under crop and under blase decay was another name. Um, yeah, but, uh, um, when we came out here, um, uh, we, we, we were basically nameless. So I, I decided, okay, this is not going well. I, you know, Tom was a difficult person for me. And, uh, so, so I, uh, decided to let leave and, and, and form a band with my, my friend from Brooklyn Bay Ridge, uh, John Griffin, who's a, the same guy, the guy I, I had done in that first, uh, kind of, uh, band that never got anywhere. Right. And, uh, so now we're going to form another band that, that gets nowhere. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we formed this other band, and and, and I called up Norman Westberg because I, I had his number, and uh, and so the three of us, I was drumming, and John was playing. John was a drummer, but he's a, just a uh, an all round musician. So okay. he took up bass, or he was playing bass and singing. And Norman wasn't a singer, so he was just a guitar player. Right. So who uh, would go on to play with Swans? Uh, so we were we went in and did one, uh, session recording session with the guys from the nails, uh, the Kaufman brothers who had a studio. So we, we recorded, uh, I think like about five songs with them, Okay. but we didn't put them out. They were just sort of like demos. And then, uh, then we did, you know, we wanted, we needed to have, uh, John, John felt like he, he didn't want to sing and play the Play bass. Okay. Um, so, we auditioned all these singers and came up with nothing. And so then we, then one day I just said, "Well, you know, I'm writing a lot of the lyrics in these songs, and I don't know if I can sing, but give me a shot." Right. And so, I did "Edge of Night," our song "Edge of Night," and uh, they were like, "Yeah, works." Let's go! Wow. So now we just need a drummer. So then we went through <laughs> oh, no drummers, uh, but we did find James Lowe, who's really a, a. I mean, I was a punk rock drummer, kind of, or a a a very basic like Mo Tucker and and Nick Knox were like my idols and yeah. on the drum kit, but uh, James is he just, he's he he was into punk funk. He was really anchored hard drumming, you know, like, like you knew where that beat was. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, uh, we went into, uh, uh, we have been, we played around some more. We, uh, we went into noise, New York studio and, um, there were some drugs involved somewhere and, uh, interpersonal weirdness and, John decided to leave the band and um, in the middle of the sessions. So I took I took two of the songs and put them out under uh, the name Ivan X, Edge of Night and Telltale Heart. then my brother had moved to new york so we started playing together we moved in together uh in the lower east side and uh and started playing and we would eventually become ritual tension okay that's the next uh, the next phase (laughs) oh oh, one thing i do want to say about carnival so the band that that i formed i don't know whether i said the name was carnival crash with uh with john and uh and norman and um few years ago when I was, I was re-immersing myself in music. I, was, I I, located, relocated those, uh, master tapes for both those sessions. Wow. I had them both converted. One was like the quarter inch tape Ampex and from the, the Coppen brothers, um, had them, uh, converted and, um, that, which was fun too. I mean, I, well, the one, <laughs> the one we did with the, uh, the Ampex was with uh, Tony Maimoni, which was really cool to be in his studio. And, oh, yeah. And do that. Anyway, and then we we remixed them with Michael Young from Alice Donut. And we put out, and Oblis Records um, put out the uh, an, al- an album. It is a happy man, Carnival Crash. And yes. uh, I think it's really interesting stuff. So Yes. You know, it's out there. It's yeah. really cool. I got a chance to
1: listen to it when I had Norman on a, a few months ago, and it was just it's really oh.
2: cool oh cool cool I, I didn't i i didn't know norman was on it i didn't see him his
1: yeah name. that's great yeah he was oh, on a cool. few months ago
2: that. that's the
1: question i always have when somebody just says that they, they found these things. where were they i mean did did you have them in your possession the entire time did you, i mean did you know where they were or did you just stumble across a box of two-inch tape and like what is this oh wow it's carnival crash
2: no, I, I, knew I had them. I knew I had them in storage somewhere. And I mean, I've held on to some of that stuff through, you know, like we moved to moved everything to Ireland, uh, wow. in the, in the two thousands. Cause my wife is from there. And, uh, you know, so, so I had them with me, but I, I wasn't really paying that much attention. You know, you have all this old stuff and, and, yeah. and I, I mean, when the story fast forwards to the 2000s, I wasn't really, well, I was doing some music, but I, I wasn't, I, I didn't think I was going to come back, uh, and do career kind of stuff. Right. But, uh, so, but you know, I, I, I always was fond of that material. And, and I, I think it, it's interesting, you know, Norman did play with Swan. Uh, I mean, that's where he's uh, been for decades, but, um, I think it shows a different aspect of his guitar playing.
1: You yeah know? oh yeah. yeah yeah so so um so you end up yeah. forming ritual tension which is really good and I, I love uh the i live here the opener on that uh social climber i like that a lot that was really cool slick ass butter
2: I can't sucker. hang on to that social social budget for sweaters colors have such symmetry i like cooking and acting and yoga what a geometric canvas i love art 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 i'm a neon giraffe rest me but what to be Woo-hoo! go 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 to the limelight limbo area caviar in the cemetery beef up those veins and it's, it's always like our our most real punk rock kind of song really i mean uh and you're and, ahead of your uh, time. I
1: mean
2: <laughs> Yeah, and, you know what's interesting is is we'll we'll talk. I'm sure about uh, my involvement with yoga, but uh, in that in that song where I'm I'm describing the social climber, I kind of say she's into uh, music and art and yoga. Yes, I noticed that. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, being kind of sarcastic at that yes. point, it would later become a career for me. Yeah, but, oh. yeah
1: so uh, it's also. Yeah kind of pressure of of the influx of social media and people climbing their way through with I mean I'm sure it happened normally in, in through other channels in the 70s 80s 90s but it's accelerated over the past well, 20
2: now, years now now the word social is almost radioactive yeah <laughs> yeah so true So social climber <laughs> yeah I, I would love to do that song again sometime but yeah oh man that's all yeah that would oh you, you, you
1: yeah you could have a whole different angle on it now yeah but yeah. that yeah. so that came out in 86 but in 86 you were also uh, appearing on swan's greed and holy money albums
2: Yeah, I uh that was that was a very odd interlude in my life because I was uh Andrew and I had formed ritual tension. We had gotten we we had had Claire Lawrence Slater on bass and uh, Michael Gio on drums on our first album. And then uh, you know, they went different ways and and uh so uh Mike Shockley and and Mark Sloan came along came into the band and really, really wonderful rhythm section. These guys are really, really smoking. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm just setting this up that, that within ritual attention, we were kind of a democratic democratic band. Like we made all the decisions together and, and nobody was really in charge. And so it was kind of a shock for me to start working Working for Michael Jura which is what it kind of felt like, me um, in yeah. that band.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and love them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet. And help veterans while you're at it that's boldfoot.com
2: is and and you know he's legendary for this and uh you know norman and i hang out and and i know from norman that that michael's uh been a a bit contrite at at any rate yeah the way he treated people but he was very abrasive in some ways and and When I look back, I mean, because of, of the podcasts and, and, and this stuff, I've been thinking more about it. And when I look back on that period, I, I really love that. Love the, the, the rehearsals, the rehearsals were, were so fun. And, uh, except I, there was one time where Michael said to me, hit the drum harder harder. You have to hit her harder. And I was beating the shit out of the, <laughs> but I, the the snare and I came down so hard and I, I hit my middle finger on the, on the rim Ooh. and it swole up like a fucking <laughs> oh. orange. Oh. And, uh, so I had to go to the hospital, but, uh, <laughs> I, that time was so fun. Right. Um, but, uh, but I was coming up i we were, I was enjoying putting beats on that wall of sound, and it it you know it was really obviously uh, being in a small room with that band was crazy. Um, and and I don't know. I we we did one one demo at Wharton Tears uh, Studio that went really well. I thought. Oh, awesome! And, uh, I love Wharton. And, we were uh, grooving along. And then now I think I misinterpreted this, but I think part of the problem was Michael's lack of communication skills was that he decided to have another drummer join us. And like I said, I was kind of a, you know, I was a self-taught later in life drummer and I'd never gone to music school, you know, Five eighths and stuff like that wasn't really in my vocabulary that that much. I mean, I I'd taken some drum lessons uh, uh, to be honest, but but I wasn't. He brought on in Ronaldo, and he didn't really tell me why. And I thought, okay, this is how he's ousting me from the band. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and, And. I was like, okay, there's another drummer, and he's really schooled, and he's really good, and what am I doing here? And so this was like two weeks before we were going to go in and record Greed, uh, what became Greed. And um, so I was kind of unner- unnerved by that. Wow. And then we went into the studio, and I'm not proud of this, but um, they, he wanted Michael wanted to use a click track and i'd never done that before and he would listen and or uh, of course everybody's listening and the moment i strayed from the beat he'd come over the the cans and say uh you're you're not on the beat and I was just like, I, I, didn't, I, it was the only time I've been in a studio where I really didn't feel comfortable. And oh, wow. I really, uh, we had recorded with Martin BC and BC studios and we had had a great time recording as ritual attention. And, and here was a band where I was basically working for this guy. And I mean, the reason, one of the reasons that, that Norman, Norman had of course recommended me to be in the band and, and he had said that we'd be touring Europe. And I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but I just couldn't take those sessions. And, and so I, I, I quit during the sessions and just said, you know, Ronaldo, you play. So I, you know, and the funny thing is, is that I haven't really gone back and listened to that. I, I, I keep thinking, okay, you have to go listen to greed and at least try to figure out what's mine and what's, you know, cause I know I created most of those beats cause it was just right on the eve of a, our recording, but, um, that was pretty much it. And later Michael was, uh, did I, I, later saw swans once and, uh, they had two drummers. So I don't actually think he was trying to oust me, Wow! but who knows, yeah. you know, but uh, anyway, uh, that was, that was the, the swans episode in my life. And, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, a guy, Nick Soulsby was, uh, was writing a book about swans and oral history. And oh, cool. there were other drummers that had almost the same exact experience. <laughs> as I did.
1: He's been through like about 25 drummers. So. I know. I could probably just do a whole podcast show oh, based I, on it, drummers of swans.
2: Swans drummers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do that podcast. There you go. <laughs> That's my career there now. You know. Swans drummers. <laughs>
1: your whole Um, career distilled into a podcast of swan's drummers
2: oh my gosh but uh i will say though that i really admire michael's tenacity that he he just there was nothing going to stand in his way of of doing that music and uh and that's all he devoted himself to and i look back on my life and and i tried to have a job and 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 all this stuff and uh And it got in the way, you know. It it gets in the way, you know. So uh, I know what you mean. I I have to kudos to him on that uh, level. So how did you guys come up with the name Ritual Tension in the first place? Well, we were thinking performance anxiety, no, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it actually does sort of connect to that. In that, well, there's two things. Um, I was really immersing myself in uh, Native American uh history and and life and I, I you know I went out to stay with my sister for a while uh, in 84 and uh, I think I had already named the band and all that but but I was I I'd read Black elk Speaks uh, that was kind of like the Bible to me okay. uh, beautiful, beautiful book um, and the rituals that he described in that. And I was thinking, you know, Like in our culture, we don't really have, you know, I mean, there are people who go to church and all that, but we, people gathering around a a fire and playing music together, that's a ritual. Yeah. And that's sort of what we're doing in these clubs, that we go there communally. And I also felt like, like I was studying shaman stuff and, and, Shamans usually were drummers and word and poets, basically. Okay. And I kind of felt like that's where I come from. I I get up in front of an audience and I try to hypnotize and then try to, uh, to bring people into my world. in in that way with, with rhythm and with, with meaning, the meaning of words. And, uh, but every time you do it, every time it comes around, it's tense, Mm -hmm. you know, there's also the the ritual meaning that something comes back around, you know, it's cyclical in some way. And, and, and there's a tension there. And, and you also find that in music where, you know, music builds attention and then, you know, tension release, that's a basic concept in, in music. So that was my thinking about it, that, that there's, this tension that we go through every time. And every time we, 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 we go on stage, we have to deal with that performance anxiety and have to, you know, transcend it somehow. Right. And, uh, and so that, that was my thinking behind that. So the band didn't last, I mean, it lasted a few years and you guys did a
1: really unique cover of the Eagles hotel, California.
2: seven women on my mind on a dark desert highway
1: that song to to cover
2: well my feeling about covers is that you have to um the the basic what what i was looking for in covers is a song that you you really like the bone it's like it's like renovating a house right okay You, you you like the bones of the house i mean the words to that song and and my brother my brother was born in California. We, you know, I was born in New York and we moved to uh, the Bay area when I was five or almost five. And California has a, has a distinct spell, you know, it, 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 it does lull you into, I mean, I don't know the the whole mythos <laughs> of, of California. Yeah. You know, I know what you uh, mean. so I, and, and I thought, okay, this song it has these these words it has it has really powerful music i i'm not really i mean i think uh, the eagles you know pop music and stuff like that it can be appealing on a certain level but um and and you know i mean it's a classic song but it wouldn't be a song that i i would say oh this is one of my favorite songs right as it is and then we took li- lines like uh s- stabbed it stab it they stab it with their steely knives but they still can't kill the beast it's yeah. like like that kind of sums up california <laughs> and, uh, and and so we took that into the the outro for it and I, one one thing about about our version about that that i i go back and forth with is it has this really long um intro where i'm reciting some of the the key phrases from, uh, sixties rock, like, uh, excuse me while I kiss the sky yeah. and uh, behind the, they've nailed the curtains they are getting ready for the feast from uh desolation row. Uh, so I recite those lines and, and also William Blake's uh, a poem by William Blake, which is not coming to me at the moment, but, um, and Andrew's doing this thing with the guitar, really abrasive. And I was thinking in a way, it kind of, it used to bug me. I think I had a girlfriend who said, uh, how come that song takes so long to get going? And, and so then I thought, oh shit, you know? <laughs> but one person's opinion, and I can understand that opinion, but when I listened to it uh, uh, you know, a few months ago, I was thinking, this is sort of early noise music. <laughs> hey, of, okay. You know? interesting you know, and then I think we do get into the song by the, by the outro we're, we're rocking the hell out of it oh yeah uh, so uh, yeah I think it's an interesting piece uh, that we did and we released it as an EP yeah at first.
1: I, I liked yeah. it a lot just because it's, it's so different from the original it's uh, that's I love it when, when a, a band will do that just take a song instead of doing a, you know a by the numbers cover they, they make
2: it their own yeah, th- this was definitely not it didn't sound like Eagles. <laughs> no, it didn't.
1: <laughs> well, so ritual tension ended up dissolving in like 1990, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, we started in 82 and uh in 19 19- in I I I got together with uh, Alice Janice and we uh uh had my son in uh we had a son in, uh, 1988 yeah. and, um, and so, um, I was feeling at that point, like ritual attention, Alice was in a sex pod and they were, they were getting a lot of attention and I yeah. thought, well, you know, I'm really a writer and I think I'll work on my novels and see where that goes. And, uh, work on other stuff. And I just mm-hmm. felt like, uh, like doing that. I also had, at you know, having, becoming a, a parent like that with, um, I have a daughter too, from uh, a, a previous marriage to that. Okay. Um, but you know, I didn't really grow up with her. So having a son, I really wanted to devote myself to that a lot. And, uh, and I had, uh, I was work at the New York stock exchange and that's a, story as well. But, uh, uh, so I, I kind of dissolved, I guess, you know, I guess it was probably me that dissolved it, but, um, yeah, so we, uh, we decided to, uh, to call it a day and had a last gig in 1990, I think. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you just backed away from music completely at that
2: point. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had had, we had done two studio albums. We'd done Hilly Crystal of CBGB. I, I mean, at our, our peak, we were headlining on Saturday night at CBGBs. Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, and Hilly loved us. And he, he thought we w- could be the next Talking Heads. Oh, and man. so he, he actually uh, was forming a record company, CBGB Records, and they Uh, partnered with uh, Celluloid Records to put out uh, our uh, album, Blood of the Kid, Mm -hmm. live at CBGB's. So we had, we, we had a substantial body of work by then, but yeah, I, I thought I, I would get more into my writing, but, and, and I, I, I guess, um, you know, I, I never was, I, I think basically what I am as a poet and I could, ne- I was never happy with the long form stuff that I wrote. So, oh, okay, you know, and it's really hard to get somewhere as a writer if you don't have a novel, right? you know, uh, just even short stories are hard. I mean, I, I published in, in lots of journals and all of that, but it, you know, and, and, and poetry, I mean, after music seemed, I don't, I don't know. I, I always wanted to see music and words together, you know, and, and so, uh, I, in the, in, the, in the 2000s, um, when I was starting to teach yoga and all that, I, I was still writing songs. I picked up the guitar, I was writing songs I, and we did some recordings. My, my son played bass on, on the recordings with, uh, strangely enough with the cucumbers who are a Hoboken band who, uh, were sort of in the Hoboken sound scene, Yeah. are, uh, our, our wives became really good friends because both of our sons were named Jesse, oh, and they happened to be playing together. And uh, and so we ended up, actually, we ended up for a while uh, in the 90s, uh, uh, Dina and uh, and Alice and John were playing we're doing a, a kids band called over the moon. And I, I contributed vocals and, and wrote a bunch of the songs as well. Okay. And so we were doing a, a kitty band for the nineties. And, and then in the two thousands, I, I recorded songs with them that someday I, I hope to re-record. And uh, so, yeah, that, that that's, I, I, so in, in well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I didn't uh, completely leave music, but I was, trying to swim out in another direction. Right. So, so that was that period.
1: Yeah. So you still had it in you, you're still doing stuff, but it was not your main focus by any means.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That,
1: that's what I would say. And at, so at what point, we mentioned this a little earlier, but at what point did yoga
2: become a big part of your life? Wow. Um, uh, in a way I can, go all the way back to my teens where, oh, wow. uh, you know, I mean, I had mentioned earlier that I was into Allen Ginsburg, mm-hmm. uh, through Ginsburg, I got into Gary Snyder, um, and Alan Watts and Alan Watts wrote a book called the way of Zen. So when I was 15, I read this book about Zen Buddhism and uh, was fascinated by it and became really interested in the Eastern philosophies. Okay. Um, and in my teenage years, uh, a friend of mine and I actually a couple friends of mine and I, this is how weird Berkeley high was. Uh, <laughs> we got into following an Indian guru named Meher Baba, who said not only that was he a guru, he was a Messiah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so we went to India for a week, but he had, he had already died. And oh, anyway, I, I, I ended up thinking that he wasn't the God man he, he said he was. And that kind of immunized me against the uh, obedient disciple kind of thing. That's not my, okay. my thing. But I always, I don't know. I think the, the basic question of life is, why am I me? why am I conscious? Who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, deep down. And I, I was, I, I think it was, it, it was beneficial to me that my parents were communists and, and atheists um, because I had a blank slate with religion. And so I, like I got I, later on, I got into Native American stuff. And, but I, with with that, after immersing myself for some years in it, and going to, uh, to uh, sweat lodges and stuff like that, I, I kind of felt like I'm never going to be an Indian. That's not my tribe, really. Right. Uh, so I came back to New York, and, and uh, so there was always some of that going on with me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm also a skeptic, so I'm not like a woo-woo, you know, uh, a new age person, right. California person, <laughs> that, that stuff doesn't work for me. I don't even really believe in astrology, for example, okay. um, and, or chakras, for example. But uh, but I mean, in, I think, uh, 2004, my wife uh, w- wanted to give me a, a massage gift certificate for uh, she wanted to give me a gift certificate for a massage and there was a yoga studio where they were doing that. And I I glanced into the rooms and I thought, you know what? I never really tried this physical yoga stuff. Uh, you know, I know the philosophy and all that, but maybe I'll give that a shot. And I fell in love with it. I loved it. I mean, just uh, the way a class would, would just, tranquilize you, you know, and by the end you were in a different space than, and, and, and it seemed to me that it was so organic that, that, that the movement and the breath would just bring you into this space. And I had some, you know, I had a teacher who was playing Bob Dylan and stuff and (laughs) and his his playlist was pretty good. Although later on, uh, I came to think, uh, and and later on, he came to think too, because he was an Iyengar teacher that you don't play music in class, but, uh, he, so I kind of just fell in love with it. And, uh, and within a year, I remember at the beginning, my, my, my wife said, "Are are you, are you going to, uh, you maybe teach this. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. Um, I I'm in my fifties. I can't, you know, teach this. Right. <laughs> uh, but I really did find a place doing it. And, and, and so when we moved to Ireland, uh, back to the, uh, County County Longford, where, where Helen's from, I started teaching. I just rented a hall temperance hall actually is what it was called. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from the old days. So the temperance hall Man. was now, uh, was now offering yoga. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so I started teaching and I, I, got, I eventually got my, uh, 500 hours teaching certificate and, uh, I really threw myself into it and I, and I, and, you know, I, I still do yoga. I retired from teaching it a couple years ago. Okay. Um, just sort of to bring my practice home and to just do it for myself more than, you know, when you're teaching something, it's, it's, it, you're, you're always thinking about the teaching of it when you're doing it and yeah. that kind of thing. So, but it, it has given me a lot. And, uh, so, uh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's funny because my mother, uh, she, she died when in 74, but she, we actually had, uh, well, we had a really good relationship, but but she did want me to become a teacher because I was into literature. She thought I would become a professor, and she was disappointed I wasn't on that path. But wow. I didn't want to be in academia my whole life. So, uh, but it's it funny that eventually, you know, mom was right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <I> was <laughs> she <a> usually teacher. <laughs> is. She usually is. I feel yeah, that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what brought music back to the forefront for you?
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah that's a that's an interesting story uh that, that it, I became aware there was a fan page on on Facebook uh for Ritual Tension okay and um it turned out to be this guy Greg Bielski and uh I got to know Greg and he's uh, like a noise artist uh noise noise guy musician from Pittsburgh wow. and uh so he, and, and after we got to know each other, he said, I have these soundtracks, just abstract sound, sound, soundscape kind of things. Uh, would you, would you mind putting some words to them? And so I thought, yeah, why not? You know, and I had a, I had a, a series of poems that were that were kind of, the, the form of them was to take the definite article, the, and put a noun or a a whole phrase in front of it. So okay. the kiss, the drum, the, the, the machine, that kind of stuff, um, and try to make it make sense. Okay. Uh, so I like working with constraints, you know? And so I had this series of poems. So I thought, okay, I'll put that to, to Greg's soundscapes. And then I thought, you know what, let's make this a little more musical. I'll bring in samples, I'll bring in musicians. So I I thought, you know what? I'll I'll bring uh my my tension, my ritual tension guys in. So Andrew is on a couple tracks, Mike Shockley's on a track, Mark Sloan's on a track. And so that's where I got the name extension because it's their extension. Right. You know, we were tension together. I like that. And uh and so we decided to call it extension that that project and uh, we did an album called the kiss that we I released in 2017. Yes um very interesting. yeah well thanks thanks yeah i it's 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 kind of bizarre stuff but uh, the, the one the one thing that was Well, one thing I, I, I'm excited about, about the kiss is that it really translated to the stage. Oh, some of, some of the, uh, some of the pieces and you wouldn't think so, you know, on the surface, but, um, you know, some of the songs are really fun to do, like, like the jobs where I'm just reciting all the names of these jobs. What I would do is write, write those jobs, like the, uh, sluggard, uh, bartender or something and, I go around the audience and hand them these cards, you know, and, and so that's their job, oh, that's you know, cool. it's kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So that's, that started getting me back in. And then I started going to clubs more and I started feeling like, you know what? I love the sound of a drum. I love rock. I love music, you know, rock music. Yeah. And let's get the band together. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get the so, band together. Get the band, get the fucking band back together. So, uh, (laughs) Andrew, my brother had a, he must've been visited by a spell of, of sanity. And he said, no, I ain't doing this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know what, what came over the lad, (laughs) but, um, he didn't want to join in, but he's done our, our graphics and, and that stuff. But, uh, so Mark and Mike and I got together again and we started playing. We played for a couple of years. Uh, Mike had moved down to Delaware. So okay. we went, we recorded down in Delaware. We, we went and rehearsed a bunch of times in Delaware or a couple of times. And, uh, and we did an album that, that we were, we released in, uh, 2019, uh, or, I think it was actually released in 2020, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was released 2020 and, uh, we, we were playing, we were playing out. We, we played, uh, at first I I was sort of bringing them on stage when I was doing the kiss material and, uh, and I do the songs that they, they had done uh, with me. And then, and then we just, uh, started playing as ritual tension and we actually had, uh, uh, record release party all set and all of that and then uh covid came along oh. and like it's done for so many things it just wiped that away yeah and uh and there we were so we you know we released it's just the apocalypse it's not the end and i'm proud of that album i i think it's uh it was uh there, there were things we we were able to do now that we didn't do back then and i'm i'm yeah. much more concentrated on my singing and and uh we we brought in uh zeff uh china who plays with peter murphy he's an old friend from hoboken oh, yeah. oh, and cool. uh, he's done a couple of the songs and uh meanwhile i'd gone through some stuff with uh the fact that uh uh my son who was a musician a bass player like his mom alice yeah. uh had uh, uh he he OD'd on alcohol and uh oh, i'm so sorry Yeah. When he, when he was 25. And, uh, so that had happened in 2013 and I had, I'd actually had a a magazine online, uh, a yoga teacher magazine. And, uh, I just somehow associated it with because I had to announce it on the magazine and stuff like that. Wow. I kind of associated There were other reasons too. I wasn't making any money off it. And so I kind of, for a while was that that was kind of before Greg got hold of me. So, uh, okay. so I had gone through that stuff and, uh, you know, you as a parent yourself, I know, you know, that, that would, that, that can be a bit devastating or devastating. Yeah. Not a bit devastating yes. completely. It, it, yeah, completely.
1: Um, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, uh, what's interesting is people say, I hope you heal and all of that. And, and that's not really what happens. I mean, you don't really heal from it. The wound is always open, Yeah. but you do move on with your life. Of course you have to, and you have to begin to be, be able to find some joy in things. And to think that, you know, Jesse was, Jesse sandwich, uh, Nahum was a, was a, a, a gorgeous comet that flew across the sky and, and I was honored to know him, you know? And, and, and so there's that, you know? So yeah. the,
1: um, so the album that came out, it's, it's just the apocalypse. It's not the ad. It's definitely ritual tension for sure. But like you said, it, it seems like the band kind of, I mean, you said it perfectly. You're able to do things that you weren't able to do early on I like the covers, Manic Depression and Shaken Street, they're really cool. I may have been wrong. I'm again a great another strong opener with I'm loving it.
2: Once you got... the the old... I, I, I really enjoyed you. this album. All right. All right. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I don't think we got uh, enough play with it because uh, of the cir- circumstances, you know, right. but, uh, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, it's there. And, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, it was, it was really interesting that we didn't, we, we, we went back and forth about whether we needed to have a guitar on it. And, uh, and when we played live, it was just, uh, drums, bass, and, and vocals. And it was really oh, wow. kind of fun to, to get so deep into, I mean, Mark has such a strong, deep, you know, guttural sound. Um, and, uh, you know, he did some, he did some guitar overdubs and we have, uh, Zeph on a uh, uh, violin and stuff, but, but uh, it was interesting to really pare it down like that and oh, to just work yeah. with, with voice and all that. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, it was fun doing the Like I said, about, about Hotel California with the MC five song, Mark is a big, I, I was, I was always much more the the, the MC five was eclipsed for me by the Stooges. I was a complete Stooges I fan, but, uh, but so Mark wanted to do a, an MC5 song and, and I really lo- loved the lyrics to uh, Shaken Street and, and that, uh, that, you know, it was really fun to sing that song and, and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I think we, we made it a, a different song. You know, oh our yeah. Own. After that, you've gone completely in a different route with
1: the latest release that you've got crawling through grass. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is a completely different tack <laughs> it's yeah it's interesting to hear i i guess the only ways it would be like a, a punk kind of guy doing ambient ish stuff it seems yeah. so like like two genres that just shouldn't meet
2: anywhere but they meet in ivan and andrew well a- andrew is a big part of it too my brother and uh he he said at one point he was uh, grammatically incorrect, but he said, "We are the wrongest people to yeah. be doing this." <laughs> I, I think said, I like that perfectly. Yeah, I think that 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 describes it. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was actually Greg that came up with the idea, and and on the uh, cover, I'm I'm uh, name checking him for that. He said, "Well, you know, you did yoga. Why don't you do a yoga album?" and uh, I have to be respectful. I, I understand that, um, there really is no such thing as yoga music apart from something they call kirtan, um, could and ragas maybe, you know, and okay. so, you know, but, um, so I, I didn't want to say this is a, a yoga album, but it does. I w there, the, the the ritual tension stuff and, and most of the stuff I've been involved with with music is really that male energy, that testosterone, that male energy yeah. uh, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, and, and and the ritual tension was really the grittiness trying to, to to get to the grittiness of living in New York and all that. You know, like I live here right. first out, um, but that doesn't really encompass all that that I am as a as a person and as a storyteller. But I did have a dilemma with this album, which was that I I, I did when I when I taught yoga classes, I, I I did have music in most of the time because I, I do think it 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 helps you create the spell of a class. Now that's it's controversial in yoga whether you should have music. Sometimes I I did classes with no music, but, but when I did have music, one of the things I I wanted to do was not have a lot of words, not have a lot of, and especially not have English words because I don't want people focusing on lyrics and, you know, I want them to be more into just, just the feeling of it. Um, so the dilemma for me was that mostly I'm a poet, as I said. So, but, but I have in the last, uh, when i came back to music this time i i, I said to myself i really want to learn music i really i want to go back and do the fundamentals and theory as it turns out can really really be uh helpful <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> figure but <laughs> it's slags knows? it man, you know <laughs> people have been slagging i mean from punk rock and it's <laughs> like oh you fucking music nerds and all that but no, knowing what a scale is can it can really help you put this shit together? Yeah, and, go, uh, figure. <laughs> yeah go figure. Go <laughs> figure. So, uh, so I've been devoting myself more to that. I learned uh, actually. Norman uh, 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 turned me on to Ableton Live, so I, I wanted to do my own uh, engineering and and pretty much Mark C. I took some of the songs to Mark C. to help with the engineering, but yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like, how can I tell my stories without so many words and how can I paint pictures? Now I wanted to do something that had kind of the, I, I wasn't making this for, you know, you, you put on the album and then you have a yoga class. It wasn't, I, I that's something that in some ways I, I would like to experiment with doing at some point, but I, I, but I did want it to have the arc of a yoga class. I kind of want this album to be yoga adjacent. Okay. You know, have have have, a, have a, an arc where you build up, kind of just getting into it slowly, and then it gets more a little more intense, and then it gets intense, and then there's the wind down. And this is what happens with crawling through grass. I think is is like it. It's so the first song, only waking, is just sort of waking up you know yeah. and and going through Exaltation of nothing, getting more into this abstract space, head kind of place, and 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 so it was it was interesting to me to take the words out of most of it. I I I, I couldn't entirely do that, and I have it's almost like found collage words in, in it uh, as well, and different elements like that. But but it, it it's it's not. It's not a, uh, a ritual tension post punk album, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, your wife
1: does make some kind of vocal appearances on there, uh, somewhat reluctantly. I'm
2: on, if I'm understanding that right. That's what I wrote that in the uh, the PR bio. <laughs> I, and uh, i showed it to her the other night and she smirked as, as she usually <laughs> will but but uh she jocularly says she's going to sue me for having recorded her at various <laughs> times and uh, uh and you know maybe the only way she'll get any money out of me hey they <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's not, she's not, she doesn't do any singing on it, but I did, I did, for example, on one song, I asked her to, I am singing one of the few times in which I sing on the album is in a song called, uh, wheels within wheels, where I, I sing this, the third, uh, yoga sutra and I'm singing in Sanskrit. Uh, and, uh, And but I want I didn't want it to be too pretentious. So I I had her say the what I'm singing in English, which is uh, uh, and and then after accomplishing this, the seer abides in its true nature. and so i have her say that and and then i i made her laugh when she was saying it so you know so that's in there and so 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 there's little vocal snatches of her but and then i was like am i going to credit her with vocals that's usually singing but but any vocals are vocals yeah Right? So exactly. there as, as a yeah. vocalist <laughs> was the album
1: originally going to be called my boots are already muddy. Is that the same album?
2: Yeah, yeah it was. Oh, yeah. How do you know that? I got some. You sources. have waves.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Wow. That's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was originally uh, titled
1: that. Yeah, uh, so why did you change it to crawling through grass?
2: Uh not a lot of mud and yoga. I I I got this image of well I was doing it's actually a track that's not that didn't make it on the album that okay. was really uh about a lot of electronic sounds that sounded like insects and birds and I got this this image of of just trying going through on the deep down in you know next to the earth and, and seeing a whole new world there and just going through it. And, okay. and so that's the basic image that, that I came up with, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. And you did a, sh- a short film based on, on both
1: ex- extension releases, right? They're they're included in the short film, right?
2: Well, there, I did the renunciation of regret. I think that's what you're referring to. Uh, yeah. I, uh, one, one of the songs, The Renunciations, uh, is kind of the focus of, of the, the film uh, uh, and a performance that Greg and I did of that. Okay. Um, and then it's kind of bookended by uh, the 51st Street Shavasana, which is, uh, is one of the songs on, on, the, uh, on Crawling Through Grass. So that's, yes. that's in it as well, yeah. Okay. And now, now I've done a, uh, another film which I think is superior to that one. Uh, <laughs> but you always like your more recent shit better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully uh, I did. I I've done a film for, uh, only waking for the first song on the album. So oh, cool. uh, that's, that's gonna be released fairly soon too. But yeah, the 51st street Shavasana, by the way, has, uh, it's, it's an interesting, um, uh, confluence of people from my life in a way. Is oh, because, really? Uh, John, John Fried plays bass on it, uh, from the cucumbers, Norman Westberg plays guitar, oh, wow. um, Mark C, uh, from live skull, uh, not only helped me with the engineering of that song, but, uh, uh, and I brought it to his studio in Hoboken, but he, he added uh a synthesizer to it. And, uh, and Greg is on it too. And my brother's on the album too. And, and, uh, a, a Polish woman, Jadwiga Tabas on one of them as well. So wow. it was, it was, it was, but it was good. It was, it was a nice feeling of brand. I mean, it was during the pandemic. I didn't see, I, I saw Mark, Mark and I were in the studio together, but, but, uh, a lot of that is just the way people are doing this mailing back and forth and yeah. all of that stuff. So, so you know, it, it's kind of a pastiche of of uh, of those different influences on on that, particularly on on the long uh, 51st Street Shavasana.
1: What's next for you now that things are starting to open up and you know you, you, we can actually perform things is, is there more extension maybe some ritual tension dates something completely different
2: um yeah i the ritual tension is a still a possibility but uh mark moved out to Easton, pennsylvania and uh i have family in there yeah do you yeah, yeah. Right, right right in Easton. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, I want to go up and visit him there. Um, but so it became pretty much impossible as well. It's been COVID anyway. Yeah. And, you know, so we haven't rehearsed or anything for a couple of years now. And I don't know, you know, uh, that that's kind of up in the air, but okay. I decided because of this, yeah, I want to do my solo stuff and, and be able to just do it by myself if Greg wants to join me or if Mark or Mike wants to join in, that's fine. But, um, I just, uh, I've been doing a lot of the social media kind of stuff, getting it together. And, and, but, but I, I I took a week recently and went up to New Hampshire just did an Airbnb by myself and started working on, on, uh, a show. And, uh, yeah, I want, I want to, uh, It'll be interesting because, like I say, I'm not really an instrumentalist. So the songs from this album, I I, I will be using a controller and a keyboard, and I'm I'm learning piano, so oh, wow. uh, I'll, I'll be able to. To, to do some of some of these songs. Uh, but I'm also going to use some of the material from the kiss and from ritual okay. attention. So, uh, so it should be like a, a combination of those three elements. And uh, I mean, one thing that, that I know I can do is, uh, get people's attention on stage. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I'm, I, I think I'm a, a a pretty competent performer, so I, I, I really look forward to to uh, booking some dates. We're 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 thinking maybe July, it's Pittsburgh, Philly, uh, and Manhattan and and Queens. So uh, nice. We'll, we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes. Oh um, man! Yeah. All right, all well, right. I mean, this has been
1: awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a fascinating chat. I really really have enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. I appreciate too. that. Yeah, great questions and uh you're uh you're you're easy to talk to. Oh, that's Thank you an, very much. So that's 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 yeah, it's a good role for you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Where can yeah.
1: people follow you and and pick up the albums, maybe check for those dates
2: up in uh in, in Philly and New York? Okay, well, I I have an Instagram account at Ivan.Nahem, and uh I have a website called On About Now. As I said, my wife is uh Irish, so she will sometimes say, What are you on about now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I made up my website. That's great. Um, so it's just O-N-A-B-O-A-B-O-U-T-N-O-W. Uh and uh you can also go to argu- Arguably Records on Bandcamp and find all the ritual tension and uh, it's actually under the merch there but uh, I'm not sure whether that's right but uh, but anyway uh, that has has uh, stuff as well and uh, yeah you can you can find me uh, I, I, and there's also a ritual tension and a carnival crash page on uh, fa- Facebook and ritual tension on uh, on um, Instagram so
1: Awesome. There you go. See, so you got that yeah. all covered.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.